0: Hello world and welcome to the Overtone Warp Zone. This podcast is for people who enjoy games, love music, and want to know more about how their favorite songs work. In Season 1, we're taking a look at musical concepts found in pieces from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm Dan Bergman, and let's get started. You've probably noticed by now that as we start most episodes of the podcast, some rendition of the Smash Bros Ultimate theme plays. Each of the Smash Bros games since Melee has used bits and pieces of the game's theme to serve as the background music for different elements of the game. For example, menu music, the online matchmaking lobby, and Smash Bros specific stages like Final Destination and Battlefield. Some of the characters whose themes are derived from the Smash Bros Ultimate theme are the Smash Bros original characters Master Hand and Crazy Hand. Both these themes were composed by Akihiko Ishikawa, who stylizes his name as Linda AIQ. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, so I'll stick with Akihiko for now. Let's listen to each of the hand's themes, starting with Master Hand. Master Hand has been a part of the Smash Bros. series since the first entry on the N64. In fact, technically he is the first character you see on screen. He seems to be the puppet master behind all the fights in the game, setting up toy versions of the characters and arranging desk items to be the stage they fight on. Perhaps this is why he's known as Master Hand. Master Hand was the final boss of the one-player mode in the game, possibly an attempt of the characters to free themselves from this gladiatorial limbo they found themselves in. He has also been the final boss of Classic Mode in every Smash entry since Melee, and he plays a large role in the adventure modes of Brawl and Ultimate. He is the first character in the series to have an HP meter rather than a percentage level when he takes damage. In Melee, Master Hand's counterpart, Crazy Hand, is revealed for the first time. Where Master Hand seems cool and collected, Crazy Hand is constantly fidgeting and moving around. Master Hand's attacks seem calculated, but Crazy Hand's attacks seem sporadic and random. Master Hand is a right hand, and Crazy Hand is a left hand. This is Crazy Hand's theme. Crazy Hand will fight alongside Master Hand in each game's classic mode if certain conditions are met, such as completing the game at a high enough difficulty. Since Smash for Wii U, Master Hand and Crazy Hand have attack actions they can perform together, such as tossing balls of energy towards each other, or setting the size of the stage to be smaller by framing it with their fingers and thumbs. The fiction of the Smash Bros. universe is not totally clear, and I believe that's intentional. The idea isn't necessarily that there is a big cohesive story that ties all the games of the franchises together with all the characters in this big epic struggle, but it's more of a way to flesh out the fantasies of, I bet my favorite character could beat your favorite character. As such, I won't delve too much into the lore of Master Hand, but here's some interesting rapid-fire facts. Spoiler alert! For the first time ever in Smash Ultimate, you can legitimately control Master Hand and Crazy Hand at the end of the single-player adventure World of Light. The characters could be used in game hacks in previous titles, however. The origins of this duo seem to be from Kirby Superstar, where a character called Wham-Bam-Rock, who is made up of rocks, uses his two giant hands to slap, walk across the stage, point finger guns at Kirby, drop rocks on him, and try to grab him. All these moves are used by Master Hand and Crazy Hand as well. The Hand duo has a canonical appearance outside of a Smash Bros game. Kirby and the Amazing Mirror features them as a mini-boss. Kirby earns the Smash ability after he defeats them, which gives him moves just like his Smash Bros counterpart. By the way, did you hear how the Smash Ultimate theme was used in different sections of these two characters' themes? I'm sure you could recognize it, even though it wasn't an exact duplicate of the game's main theme. Let's take a look at what we call those little recognizable bits of music. Motif. The musical motive, or more commonly when referring to music, the French equivalent motif, is the smallest unit of musical form next to a single note. If you imagine a comparison to language, a single note might be like a single letter, which if you combine them forms a syllable or word, or in the music case, a motif. We usually only refer to a small musical passage as a motif if it has some great thematic influence in the music we're listening to. One succinct way of describing a musical motif is a melodic, harmonic, or rhythmic cell. We can only go so far talking theory about something without actually listening to it. Here is one of the world's most famous motifs. It only takes the first four notes of this piece for everyone to recognize it, and probably brings to mind at least the first few bars, if not the whole piece for those who are familiar. This is, of course, our boy Ludwig van Beethoven in his 1808 piece, Symphony No. 5. This performance is by the West Eastern Divan Orchestra. Those four notes are probably classical music's most recognized line. They also have a melodic and rhythmic pattern. Three short notes followed by a lower, longer fourth note. Short, 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 long. What you may not be aware of, however, is how omnipresent this motif is in the first movement of the symphony. It's literally everywhere. Every time we hear that motif, I'll pause the music and play this sound effect. Watch. First movement of the symphony can be around seven minutes long. That's a lot of music to just come from a four-note pattern. Let's come back to Smash Bros. We'll be taking a look at the E3 2018 version of the song, since it's fairly definitive and it's just an instrumental version. If we take the main theme, there's one major rhythmic motif that we find all over the place. Dotted quarter note, dotted quarter note, quarter note. I'll play a couple bars of this rhythm so you can get it in your head. The cowbell is the rhythm, and the clicking are the quarter notes in 4-4-Time. This type of rhythm is a great way to create rhythmic energy, propelling the piece forward with its partial syncopation. We can divide the Smash Ultimate theme into three sections, A, B, and C. Each section plays different notes, but still features the same rhythmic motif. Here it is in our A section. Here it is in our B section. And lastly in our C section. Our rhythmic motif is used in different ways each time, to different effect of course. But it serves to give us three distinct motifs from the main melody that are used to start these sections off. Even if we use a little snippet of the section somewhere else, it can bring to mind the whole section and even the whole theme. Consider these transition sections in the E3 2018 theme. We don't have to play the whole section to know that this is referencing the earlier material. Of course, the same is true of all the other tunes that carry this motif. Of the 34 new Smash Ultimate songs, there were only three of them that I couldn't hear our motifs in at all. Those three songs were The Final Battle, The Final Battle After the Transformation, and Spectate. Most of the other songs that use the main Smash Ultimate theme are pretty overt about it. Take this tune, which is one of the first that you hear when you start the adventure mode, called The Light Realm Prologue. This was written by Eriko Sakurai. Or sometimes finding these motifs are not so obvious. Let's take this song that plays during the Adventure Mode called The Light Realm Bass, composed by Yusuke Yamauchi. I'll pause it when a motif from the main Smash Ultimate theme plays. it is, the motif from section A. Let's listen again. It's certainly a very subtle feature of the song, but it's important nonetheless. It serves to show that this is a cohesive part of the whole game, while still conveying all the drama that it intends to convey. Here's another way a motif is used, specifically from section B. When you start a round of classic mode, you look along the length of a mural that looks to be faded with time, like you discovered it in an ancient temple. The music tries to reflect this, the plucked instrument that plays the melody is the only thing that changes, otherwise we just have a rhythmic layer of percussion underneath. Section B doesn't play in its entirety, but it doesn't have to. Hearing the motif from the first couple of seconds is enough to show us what it needs to. Just those first three notes anchor us in the world of Smash Ultimate. This is Classic Mode, Mural, by Yusuke Yamauchi. Now, let's look back at our themes for the two hands. The Masterhand theme starts with the B section melody, and it does something different with the line every single time. Listen to the last note of each phrase. takes the familiar theme we know and twists it at the last second on each occasion into something unfamiliar. And because of the ominous percussion and rumblings of the rest of the song, this adds to our uneasy feeling. If we continue, we hear the A section melody with exactly the same technique being used. It never quite ends on the note that we're used to it ending on. Now the B section theme is played around with even further after that A section. What about Crazy Hands theme? First, let's recognize that it starts off with this low piano riff in 7-4 time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then, the first theme that shows up is the theme from section C. feels wrong, and for a couple of reasons. The 7-4 time makes it feel stilted and out of place. Second, this section in the original theme is more soft and subdued, and the chords in the background change to make that melody seem a whole lot less chaotic. In the Crazy Hand version though, the background does not change the chord progression, which makes the melody seem strange and random and out of place. And once we finally get to 4-4 time after this section with those big band shots, we hear parts of that C section melody with proper timing, but with seemingly random notes. Throughout both of the hands' themes, we can tell that they belong to Smash because of the use of the Smash Ultimate motifs, but the motifs used here are not an exact copy. It's been modified to fit the setting of these two characters. Motif can help tie together different elements of a whole by providing something that's recurring, but those motifs can be altered in some way or another to portray something new and different at the same time. Let's end this episode with a final song, which is the theme that plays when you fight against both Master Hand and Crazy Hand. See if you can pick out the elements from the original two pieces, as well as anything else that uses Smash Ultimate's motifs. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast or suggestions of a song or music topic. Leaving a rating or review on your podcasting platform is a great way to share that with me and helps Overtone Warp Zone gain some exposure. You can also email me at overtonewarpzone at gmail.com and you can stay updated on podcast news by following me on social media everywhere at otwzpodcast. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast and want to give your support, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash overtonewarpzone. Until next time, keep playing.